Welcome. We're back in session with your host Jay of What's Going On, a social studies network podcast. Now let's get into it. of a social studies network uh what's going on podcast and this is our second episode and we are here with Liv today um so I'm gonna start off with just asking a few questions number one how are you feeling today great you know we just had a game so feeling good about that it's been a long week but every week's a little bit long uh, just pushing through through the end of the semester yes so, yeah. I'm wearing orange you're wearing orange we clearly are both super fans of Alana football how are you feeling about the game today it was cold you guys I freezing. freezing absolutely I'm not very good with cold weather get really chilly really easy I did put in my ring in my winter jacket so got to pull her out for the first time since being back on campus um I mean it was good I mean we've been having a great season also yeah. so I was really excited been a bit of a letdown today and as it was last and last well. game yeah <laughs> But yeah. good. Just, I was super disappointed. I'm like, I am freezing for y'all to play like this. Mm-hmm. I was oh my God, like literally, I was like, are my fingers and toes going to fall off? Like, I had to leave early. And I typically always stay toward the, end, toward the end of the game. Like I literally just got done defrosting like a few minutes <laughs> before we started. But besides that, how are you feeling about the upcoming break? How are you feeling during this season? And how are you feeling about preparing for your upcoming classes? So obviously it's my first semester senior year. So my next semester, I'm going to be student teaching. Very nervous. I did just get my placement. So I'm really pumped about that. Um, We've all been really worried just because we're super antsy. We just want to know where we're going to be at. Um, Classes have been a little challenging, obviously. Um, Just kind of getting, putting in those those last steps and that Mm -hmm. last bit of work so that I feel ready to be out in the field. 40 hours a week. Um, So that's going to be a little bit of an adjustment um, from the typical college life where maybe sometimes you get to sleep until Mm 9am. But you know, I'm very excited, um, ready, trying to push through. I cannot wait for Thanksgiving break. So that's my that's my plan right now. (laughs) Yeah, and I can't wait for Thanksgiving break either. So you just told us how you felt. Yeah, about the game about our upcoming break about what's going on next semester. So Let's get to know who you are as a person and who is this person who is feeling these type of ways? Yeah, of course. So as I said, I'm a senior. Um, I'm from Chicago. Last name's Borowski. It's very stereotypically Polish. Both my parents are immigrants. They came to the United States like early 1990s. So been here a little bit of time, waited a little bit um, and just kind of took out, tried to live out that American dream from their perspective. Otherwise, so I've had that experience growing up. I did grow up speaking Polish, um, was my first language. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So that was my first kind of intro into the classroom of not knowing how to speak proper English. <laughs> um, and then um, on campus, I'm involved in a couple different RSOs, um, on the swim club, I'm in a sorority, the blonde hair, blue eyes is a dead giveaway. Um, <laughs> And then I'm also a part of Epsilon Delta, which is like the teaching fraternity. So that's really exciting mm, too. Okay. Yeah. So those are my big commitments other than, of course, trying to be the best teacher I can possibly be. Well, very admirable uh, schooling and <laughs> doing extra things outside of that. Um, so, well, I just want to start with saying thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for coming. So the first episode that we had, we talked about what is social studies, uh -huh. about our assumptions about what it was, what we grew to learn it to be and how we want to better it. And so while this first, while the second episode may not be about exactly what is social studies, I want to know what did you think that social studies was when you were younger versus now and how it's influencing you to be the best teacher that you can be. Absolutely. So social studies for me started in two different ways. So I went to Polish school and then what we call for American school, English school. So Polish school was every Saturday, five hours, mm -hmm. 12 years. You kind of spent the time learning not only how to read, write, but also the deep and dark history of Poland from its uh, beginning to what it's like now. And then in English school, kind of same thing when it comes to America, learned about like revolution, Betty Ross, like all those mm -hmm. really important people. Um, Social studies has changed a bit for me throughout um, my life. I think that I saw it in two different ways. Um, in Polish school, is a lot more interactive, mm -hmm. a lot of real life applications that we were able to use, specifically when we went to Poland on our uh, class trip. And I really got to see the places that we had spent years talking about, which was an amazing experience. Um, and along with that, I had the same teacher for 12 years and she really knew us as students. So we not only participated in interactive presentations, we did like dress up debates, we did all those types of things. Um, but just, we had a big community in my classroom, especially when it came to learning history and stuff that's really important to mm -hmm. um, my family and everyone else's family. People that go to Polish school are Polish. So um, there's that. And then in English school, you know, stereotypical stuff, um, lectures, not really learning anything past uh, the civil rights movement mm -hmm. and, the, yeah. and everything is really spotty around there and on, which is something I need to work on as a future teacher because yeah. I need to brush up on my knowledge. I want to make sure I have all my facts in a row before my kids quiz me on it, specifically at the high school level. Yes. That's with the, with the big babies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before I get into what I think that social studies is and what I thought it was, could you tell us a little bit more about the differences between Polish school and English school? Yeah, absolutely. So as I said, I had the same teacher for a really long time. Uh, she's basically like a grandma to me at this point. Um, oh, that's nice. She watched me grow up, so I'm very grateful for that. Um, but it's just a lot more interactive. I think it's just a lot of um, application. And mm -hmm. also, um, we just really had those experiences that I think I sometimes missed in English school, which sounds so weird to say, but... Um, we just had the chance to really focus in on history and really learn something we all really cared about, mm -hmm. which I think that's a big part of history is understanding like what's important to you and what's important to your students. And obviously within mm -hmm. a school that teaches for cultural and ethnic ties, you're going to have a lot of students that are just innately more interested in that because yeah. they want to know what their parents went through. They want to know um, like why like their culture acts in a certain way as it still does in America and why they're able to keep that strong um, network that's really unified um mm -hmm. 
English school, a little bit different, obviously. You have people from all different communities coming together. It's very generic. I felt um, almost as if like brushing over the edge. I did, in fact, read a textbook front to back one night in like third grade when I was really excited about learning. Um, was a pretty <laughs> avid reader once I got the hang of English. So, you know, there's just kind of that. I think that a lot of it was the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. American Revolution every single year. You have yes. those key figures throughout history and we can touch on that more as I'm sure we will, but you know, stuff like that. I feel like I can relate to that a bit because I went to Catholic school from kindergarten through mm -hmm. eighth grade. And I think part of it being a Catholic school made the curriculum more limited because I absolutely had the experience of we never made it past the civil rights movement and with that we only learned about a few key figures mm -hmm. we never talked about and it's like you can't can you really talk about everyone but at the same token if we're going to be learning about the same thing over and over and over again you have you have room yeah. to add more figures into our conversation because the figures that we talked about and I'm pretty sure most people learn about civil rights movement talked about Rosa Parks, mm -hmm. Dr. King, Malcolm X, the buzz boycott. And then we would go on and in order for them to say that, oh, we went above and beyond. They show us very traumatic videos that they didn't prepare us for. Because even when we learned about slavery, it was just, oh, they were forced on a boat to America to pick cotton with really abusive masters mm -hmm. just to show us what that looked like on screen without leading up to it is it's so drastic going from cotton picking to seeing what whips what whip markings look like on people's back or where it's so traumatic even learning about other cultures such as the holocaust mm -hmm. and like oh six million Jews were killed by Nazis in Germany to go and watch videos of what actually of what the camps actually look like of what that starvation that abuse and the effects on the body of what it looked like without no context without no spreading it out without no leading up to it without no trigger warnings just putting it out there just so they can say oh we went above and beyond we mm -hmm. taught you this it's like did you teach us this did you force us on it and then expect us to do it ourselves and do that work and do that research ourselves and if we're thinking about middle school we're kids. Yeah. We're not even teenagers yet. And so I think for me, having to learn how to process that before I got to, to high school is like really hard. And because of that, I thought that social studies was politics. Because even when you think about the word social studies, the term social studies, I didn't hear that term anymore after eighth grade. That was eighth grade term. Yeah. I didn't realize it was supposed to be studying history, studying culture, diverse cultures. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to high school, it's each year it's something different that's catered to the class it could even be humanities but it's no longer social studies and so I think for me I was very limited in what social studies was because a lot of times we talk about the branches of government too it was very rare when we did go and talk about the holocaust or slavery things of that sort which is very limited yeah to the history of America anyway and so I think from there what you talked about about being the best teacher as well and talk talking about my experiences how do you think that teachers can support a more open classroom and in a in a more supportive classroom where students can be able to open their minds and open their hearts and be able to talk freely about these different events that have happened in America not only now but not only then but now as well yeah I think that something that I've at least seen in my in the different classrooms I've been a part of even on campus now and um in the past is Teachers really need to know their students. Mm -hmm. They need to know what their audience is within the classroom, not only to gauge their interest as they um, 
start to understand like what exactly they want to learn and what they want their focus to be on. Mm -hmm. If they, for example, do a project, um, an inquiry based project where they want to deep dive and learn more. But also, I think that they need to know how they need to cater certain um, information to their audience. I think they need to recognize that certain age levels need to be given stepping stones in order to fully understand something without feeling like it's all being forced upon them. Mm -hmm. So something that I'm a big advocate for uh, within at least my classroom and within how I was taught uh, the Holocaust, which is something I'll bring up because um, there were a lot of concentration camps um, in Poland and I was able to see them eventually at the culmination at the end of my senior year mm -hmm. is we took time to build up to those moments. Mm -hmm. The first year, first grade, we were building up to them. We had just first begun laying the groundwork for it. We learned about the patron saint of our school, mm. X, Y, Z. We learned about why he was important. We didn't really go into the nitty gritty to begin because it can be very stressful for a student to learn all this information, not really know what happened, um, have to process it by themselves if you're going to move on right away, and then just be expected to have them regurgitate it back to you. Mm. So I think every year laying down those stepping stones, um, every year it should be a little bit more detailed. And you should also, since they already have that foundation, you don't have to focus on the same things every year. You don't have to focus on, um, for example, um, not only Hitler, but you can start to focus on like the the other officers involved. You can start to focus on the people that were a part of those communities that were that had their livelihoods stripped from them. So very, very slowly mm -hmm. with those proper stepping stones, you're able to create a more cohesive and like a history that is well-rounded rather than simply focusing on like the couple key figures that are supposed to dictate everything. Mm -hmm. And that way also students aren't leaving the classroom being like, I cannot learn about this anymore. Yes. I cannot sit here and just listen to someone tell me things because it's going to stress me out. It's going to make me feel really uncomfortable. And being uncomfortable is something that is inevitable within social studies because you're always going to hear things that you might not necessarily agree with, or you might really strongly agree with, but mm -hmm. I think it's how you go about creating that discomfort in the classroom and that you reaffirm to your students that through, even though there might be some parts of discomfort, you're not trying to hurt them. And you're going to do everything in your power to create a space where you can have an open and honest conversation without jeopardizing their feelings and who they are and um, just in general, like them as a person, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if you can relate to that a little bit at all, but yes, you just said, <laughs> y'all, she just said so many important things. I almost want to stop it now and say, that's <laughs> it. It's a few key points that I want to point out about what you said about regurgitating mm -hmm. information and having to take it in by yourself, because especially now the internet technology is way more advanced. Mm -hmm. And not only that, I, I see eight-year-olds with iPhones. I'm like, I didn't get my first iPhone until I was in eighth grade. I didn't even get my first phone. And it was a flip phone with two sides. It was hot pink, you guys. It was the cutest thing in the world. And then I lost it and found it a year later. And my mom thought I lied to her. But I, in fact, had not. I just left it in a book bag I'd never used again. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think actually, no, I lied. My first phone was a very small little phone. It wasn't even a flip phone. It was one of those phones that had the button and the screen on Stop the Stop it. The ladybug phone. Yes. Oh my God. And the only reason that I got it was because um safety purposes. Yeah. Even I was like, when I would go to church on Sundays at Catholic school, because mm -hmm. um, I was in the choir, she was like, oh. and I would just like walk home. She was like, I need you to call me when you're walking home. And I'm like, okay. And I used to always like go to the bathroom so no one would see me holding the phone. Yeah. But I think to that point, just connecting it back to how students use technology now, mm -hmm. if they're having to research for themselves with no support and no help, 
they don't know how to research mm-hmm. properly yet. Mm-hmm. So imagine what they're finding. Imagine the, tra- the, the trauma that they're putting themselves through more. And it's like, if you didn't give them that space to feel comfortable in the classroom, then how are they going to feel comfortable outside of the classroom to ask their parents, to ask other teachers, or to come back with those questions and ask, hey, why didn't you teach this? Like, yeah. what is this? And then sometimes the right information is not always there. Mm-hmm. We can research and find things and it'll, it'll be inaccurate or it'll be biased to someone else's point of view. And I think to that speaks to the, like like you said, the emotional aspect of it. Because it's, imagine being a person and a part of a group and you know that within this country or even without this country or with the aid of this country that they went through trauma and you're feeling worthless. You're feeling useless. You're feeling like, this was all my people were before I got here was slaves. This is all my people were what was war criminals. This is all I am. Not not with like not talking about the love aspect of everything or mm-hmm. not talking about the emotional aspect of it and making sure that you're connecting with the students. Cause like you said, connection is important. And I think a lot of the times when we're in these classroom settings, it's little it's literally teacher, student student teacher and that's how this classroom is going to be structured so I need you to learn how to memorize and what is memorizing going to do when they're taking these teachings and they're going out into the world and they're growing up with these different ideologies about themselves or even about other people and so I think to that how do you plan on creating a, a safe space for your students and for yourself as well because safe spaces are important for the instructors too yeah so I wanted to touch on a couple things you said at the beginning so Often when we sit and we think about education, Mm -hmm. I think it's really easy for us as future teachers to be like, education is in the classroom. Mm -hmm. It's only in the classroom because I'm teaching you X, Y, Z. I'm going to teach you when this war started, when it ended, the four key figures, the four four key battles, um, the turning point of the war, X, Y, Z. And something we need to remember is that education goes way beyond the classroom. So when you said people researching online Mm -hmm. or uh, students going out beyond classroom, what can we do in the classroom so that a student is able to, not able, but wants to go online and look further, wants to go online and be like, this is something I really want to learn about. Mm -hmm. This is something I not only think would be important, but I'm excited to learn about. Um, And that's something that we have to remember too. And it's not only the internet, it's in the community too. So getting community involved, I think is going to be a big part of my teaching. I think it's going to be asking students to um, interact with their family, um, their friends, uh, parents of their friends, XYZ, different organizations they're involved in, whether it's sports, uh, the local show choir, XYZ. Mm-hmm. Chicago's really big, so that's where yeah. I'm thinking when I'm when I'm bringing my mind to it. But you have this opportunity to learn from everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can take those experiences and those individual components of a student and turn them into a really good curriculum. And I think also... Um, you shouldn't just only look at it as dates. I think yes. that um, dates can be very difficult to remember. And there are some key ones that we just need to know um, when it comes to, for example, national holiday or um, like yesterday was Polish um, Independence Day. So obviously I know that random off the top of my tongue, but it's also Veterans Day. So there's a little bit of both. Um, so I so you get to memorize a couple of dates from either one. Um, and I think that those dates are important, but you kind of have to know the meaning behind them. Mm-hmm. And for students, it can be helpful to... Um, look at themselves and be like, what does this date mean to me? For example, when it comes to Independence Day in Poland, for me, it means 
you know, like the country that my parents are from were, was free. So my parents were, had the opportunity to be Polish citizens and not be um, citizens of whatever land, um, whatever country was occupying the land at the time. Mm-hmm. And that can translate clearly to my identity because my identity stems uh, directly from that community that I'm a part of. Yeah. Same thing with America. Um, when my parents came to America, they wanted to, this is the place that you go when you want to achieve greatness, excellence, at least like within the Polish American community. Mm-hmm. And for that, um, you know, I have to be thankful at times because um, I wouldn't have the same life to any extent as to as if I was in Poland. And mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for my parents sacrificing that. But that them sacrificing uh, the comfort that they had within their hometown, that's a part of my history. And that history can be easily translated into a student's history. Mm-hmm. So if you ask your students, maybe not to trace family trees, because sometimes that's a little bit difficult mm-hmm. um, with broken families and even with people that maybe don't talk to one parent, that can be really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to be understanding of that. But finding a way to trace things are important to them. So um, if it's maybe, for example, if you want to do something like that, um, maybe not if you it's a, it's a tree based. So let's say family tree based, but it doesn't need to be your family. It can be trace the family tree of the owners of the Packers, X, Y, Z, and have them go through that, see mm-hmm. maybe stuff like that and pick things that they're interested in, mm-hmm. or maybe trace the, um, like if they're picking a sport, how did the sport develop into what it was today? What points in history changed how it developed? Why did it change wow. like that? Mm-hmm. Who are the key figures? So that not only lets them participate in an activity that might at times make them feel sad because they don't have something to write about or someone to talk to, mm. but they can use the internet. And then that's also when you come in as a teacher, um, I think individualized instruction is really important mm-hmm. and those check-ins with your students. So if you know they're working on a big project, every student gets five to 10 minutes. It's a Friday. It's set the, say the project is due in like a month or two um, and kind of go like, we're going to check in. We're going to create a checklist and you're going to talk to me and tell me like, are you able to do research on this tree? Where are you getting your research from? Is it mm-hmm. from people that you're talking to? Are you watching a video on the internet? Is there a Netflix documentary series that you're using to back your research? That all works because people learn in different ways. Some people learn better through reading. Some people learn better through vi- uh, visual stuff. Some people learn better through listening and they'll go to the local public library and check out an audiobook. Um, so there's those things, which I think can be that can make everyone feel like they're a part of the classroom. Mm-hmm. And when you feel like you're a part of the classroom, you're way more likely to learn. And then you're way more likely to um, want to open up to your teacher. So as yeah. a mm-hmm. future teacher, I don't know how you feel. And I've been talking a while, so please cut me off at any moment. Um, I just really want my students to know me. Maybe mm-hmm. not the nitty nitty details of like what I had for yeah. dinner the night before, but um, kind of know what I stand for. You know, like yeah. I'm a person who cares about you, who wants you to be successful, who wants you to reach back out to me if you need help, X, Y, Z, other different things that make up parts of my identity. Yeah. And I want to make sure that my students know that so that they know that um, Liv is open-minded or Miss B as it's what I go by in the classroom. Borowski is too difficult. And I don't want people looking me up on the internet, my little children. Um, <laughs> so Miss B works with bumblebees. Um, but, um, you know, it shows them that I care and I want to be there and I'm actively trying to give them parts of myself because yeah. when I give them parts of myself, they can give me parts of them. Yes. I, I to- yes, I totally agree with that. And I think I want to go back to the point where you say bringing in the, the community, mm-hmm. because a lot of the times when we think of social studies or when we think of history, we only think of the past. Yeah. We're creating history now. 
when we're living through history now. And a lot of the times they say, we're supposed to be learning social studies. We're supposed to be learning history and things of that sort. So that way we don't repeat what happened. And we are repeating what's happened. We are going through those same things. It might not look the same, but for our generation, for what's happening now, it's going on. And mm-hmm. it's not and it's not too far removed from what we're trying to avoid from learning history. And I think too, our students need to understand that you are a part of history. You are making history. Even if your name is not in a textbook, what you're doing in your community, what you're doing in your classroom, what you're doing now, you're setting up the stepping stones. You're laying down that that foundational work for history. And I think to what you said for your students to be open, for you to be open to your students so they can be open to you, that's important to the way that they learn as well because if they're not open to you, they don't like your class, they're probably tuning you out. Mm-hmm. They're probably pretending to listen. They're probably, okay, I'm going to remember this key term. I'm going to remember this keyword. I'm going to remember this key date. So that way I can impress my teacher and I can get a good grade and I can move on instead of truly taking in the information that they're learning. And sometimes we're learning the same thing over and over and over. I'm like, we know this already. Why am I still here? Why am I still learning this? And why am I learning it in this way? Because it's just so detrimental to the, to the human mind, especially to kids who are growing up who are impressionable, who have so many questions. Why are we demonizing the the main part of children? Asking questions, yeah. being curious, being emotional. Because, and, and I think too, as, te- as future teachers, we have that ideal mindset mm-hmm. about what we want our classroom to look like, but we about what we want education to look like. And I think that it's important for us to have those ideal mindsets because us too, even if everybody doesn't, agree with what we're saying or if everybody doesn't follow our lead we make a dent in what education is and how we teach social studies and how it works in our classrooms and and how history impacts the lives of our students and the reason why I mentioned that is because I know you're talking about uh individual time Mm -hmm. with your students and I think what's also important too to breaking down the, the spirit of the students while learning about these different topics is the classroom is too large there's only one teacher and it's like some kids are so quiet do you want to go up and talk to them? Then there are some kids who like, who put themselves out there, who tell you what they need, who are willing to tell you what they need. And a lot of the times I think once we have gone through our experiences and we're living our life and we're creating our own history, it kind of causes a disconnect. And we don't think to check in on those students who might not be more forthcoming or the opposite. We might say, okay, this kid is forthcoming. So let me focus on the quiet kids more. And I think that, you know, just having that, individualized time it's like ideal Mm -hmm. but how do we how do we make that work within the system that we have now all of these different weird mandates such as some parts you can't even some districts can't even legally change it change Columbus Day to Indigenous People's Day you have to say Columbus Day but it's like some some teachers have that rebellion of it's Indigenous Day and I think that's you know I think that's like you you spoke to that as well about having having your own way of teaching and making sure your students know where you stand. Um, and I think that that's just very important too, knowing where you stand. Because if you're in a classroom looking at people that don't look like you or looking at people who have a different religion than you or looking at people who have a different familial background than you, if they don't know where you stand, how can they be comfortable learning in these spaces? I would rather know that someone doesn't agree with me 100% 
then having a teacher that pretends to agree with me and then I'm noticing all these things because kids notice yeah Big kids notice. Yeah. they know when you're not genuine and they know when you're not fully there with them and then that also creates that disconnect of I want to learn this and I don't want to talk to you and I don't want to interact with you and so it looks like you wanted to jump no, in. No, I wanted to say it. that the same thing goes for students. Mm-hmm. If a student disagrees with you, like it's important for you to have that space where they can openly disagree with you so mm-hmm. you can have that conversation. I think the biggest problem that we have right now um, in the classroom is that not everyone's hearing each other mm. and not everyone's able to sit there and be like, hey, like, let's talk about this. Like, let's lay it all out. Let's mm-hmm. like go through the pros and cons. If you disagree with me, like, I want to hear why you disagree. I don't want you to feel scared of the teacher dynamic. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to be like, I can't say anything because that will jeopardize my grade because that's the last thing I want within my classroom. I do not want students that feel like they cannot openly and honestly be themselves mm-hmm. because they're scared of me. Like, interpreting it the wrong way and same thing with my students like by laying my identity openly openly and like saying who I am like I'm saying like hey this is me like I'm about this I'm not it's it's the same thing in my religion like I'm like I I come from a Catholic family Mm -hmm. I would never be like you all must be Catholic because I'm Catholic and we are only going to talk about Catholic things like I want to talk about everything else I want to talk about other religions I want to talk about if you don't believe in a religion and why well maybe not like in a general classroom but like you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it's the same thing that kind of translates I want to understand and I want to learn more too because I think as a teacher you have this opportunity to every day learn from your students Mm -hmm. and kind of see what they're about and see what you can do to tailor your classroom to fit their needs more. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that when it comes to a classroom, like student needs are very important as are your own. And I think together when you both are aware of what your needs are and what your students needs are, and you like work on them together, I think you can really create a classroom that not only has an open environment of conversation, but um, challenges your students that makes them not only sit there and, um, think about things, but also question why things are Mm -hmm. a certain way. And that's where I think like um, having them ask those questions is just so nice. I think that the questions are the basis of why they're learning. Like, Mm. why do we have three branches of government? Well, I can tell you, why do you think we have them? Like, what can you point to in history? Why do we need those checks and balances? Why did the Articles of Confederation not work? I just did a lesson on this. That is why the Revolutionary War is so (laughs) churning through my brain. But like, why did they not work? Mm -hmm. Well, we needed that stronger central government. Well, why? And then then you explain through historical events and then can be like, well, let's synthesize this to right now. You talk about how like history is often a study of the past. I always thought of it going into undergrad is history is a study of past to prevent mistakes from happening in the future Mm -hmm. and to fix the mistakes that are happening now. Mm. And it's to make sure that whenever there's problems, I'm doing everything I can so that my students, not my students, even me. So I'm not making those mistakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think this is what you're saying is coming from a voice of growth. Yeah, it's coming from a voice of change. It's coming from a voice of learning, coming from a voice of experience, because as you mentioned, we're not only learning in the classroom, we're learning outside the classroom. Mm-hmm. History is not just in our textbook, it's in our everyday world. And so I think I want to I want you to talk a little bit more about your process growing from middle school, from high school to now. What are the what are those major factors that led you to realize I want to be a teacher? This is the way I want to teach. This is how I came to think about 
what social studies is and and how it affects me and how it affects our, my students or future students. Absolutely. So right now I'm really outspoken. I used to be very shy. Mm -hmm. I had a little bit of an oh, accent. I did too. Okay. Yeah. So I had a little bit of an accent growing up. Mm -hmm. I was shy. I was like, no one likes me, X, mm -hmm. Y, Z. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, you know, um, no idea whatsoever. And um, I think like I've always liked coaching, like as someone who swam growing up, but like I've had the opportunity to coach people. Mm -hmm. And that's where I really regained my voice is through a sport, through somewhere where I was good at something, mm -hmm. where I like knew I could be the po the best. And I'm big for competition. Like that's how I get my motivation. It comes from competing with people um, and really striving to like be the person on top, not in like a crazy way, but in a way that it's like, I know I can do better. I'm going to push myself to do better. Mm -hmm. And you know what? People are going to look around me and they're going to push themselves to do better. And together we are going to create a better society. And together we are going to be faster swimmers, X, Y, Z. So it translates yes. a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I had that um, really gained my voice and my ability to speak to people and middle school. So middle school was a very, very monumental time for me. Yes. I became, I came from the super shy person to someone that three years later, they were like, who is she? Where did she come from? She sprouted from absolutely nowhere. And I carried that into high school. Um, and I think it just really not only helped me kind of figure out that I first off have a I'm pretty good at speaking to the children, um, mm -hmm. the little babies, obviously, because those are the, some of the ones I specialize on coaching, but also, um, the older kids, because, um, I've felt those moments of feeling awkward and not belonging. Like I've felt those moments of feeling in with the crowd and seeing other people that have not been in. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really good for me to have both of them because I'm able to not only think about the loud student, but the quiet student mm -hmm. earlier, you mentioned how you don't know who to talk to as a student. And that's why individual, individualized attention is so important mm -hmm. because you're actually able to sit there and, talk to the student one-on-one -on -one. and you're able to do it not only in a way that it's like, like because I was a person who was shy I was way more, way more likely I would have been way more likely to respond to my teachers to make an active effort to talk to them if they had been like fill out a survey like tell me how you're feeling like mm -hmm. like because mm -hmm. that's a different type of a communication it's a different type it's less it's scary you're not sitting there you don't feel like you're being interviewed you're not mm -hmm. teachers like how are you doing well obviously well okay, well, you're going to say, well, no one's going to in their first moment meeting a teacher be like, I'm struggling, you know, mentally, yeah. I'm not there um, because they don't want to seem like a failure. Mm. And I think when we set up those questions in that way, we're setting up our students for failure because we're not understanding that they might need a little bit more time to open up. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing when you are with friends. When you first meet a person, you're not going to tell them if you are struggling, if you are having yeah. the time of your mm -hmm. life, you're just going, uh, it's the general same thing as passing. How are you doing? well, how are you? You know, mm -hmm. same, same good, like standard, like, yes, well, uh, doing great, had a busy day, X, Y, Z, but you don't really go into, you know, today I had a really, really bad day. I X, Y, Z happened. My coffee maker wouldn't turn on. Um, I was late for class. I slipped on the sidewalk, which has happened to me before. My headphones got caught on the door. No, exactly. Like, eh. Exactly. But you don't really say that to people. Yeah. So you can't really expect your students to say something like that to mm -hmm. you. So as someone who used to be more shy and is now more outgoing, mm -hmm. um, that's something I really, really want to work on in the classroom. Um, and I'm kind of straying off question a little bit. So redirect me if I'm too far all over the place. But no, I, th I think this is important <laughs> to the way that that I'm framing this question. Yeah. Right here. But um, so there's that. And then when you look at history itself, I think, and teaching, um, you're just really able to connect with your students. And you're not only able to do that by seeing who they are, but mm -hmm. you're also just 
you're just creating a space. That's the biggest thing I would say is people that have been the most impactful are the teachers that have shared the most. With yes. Me. They're the teachers that have taken a moment to care the most. Like mm-hmm. I had a moment, my junior of high school where I really like had a bad year. Um, life was just all over the place, uh, sports, personally, um, school wise, not my best year, but, um, of high school, but, um, you know, I had a teacher who would reach out to me. Yes. I had a teacher who made sure to be there for me and to lay it for me. Just like right now in college, like I have a great advisor. I have someone who actively checks in on me mm-hmm. and actively makes sure I'm doing okay and um, wants to hear about the things I've like done great at. I think often when you look at yourself as a person, it's so you're so quick to judge yourself. You're so quick to say, um, you know, like I haven't done X, Y, Z. Yes. I'm behind in this many assignments. I have not called my mom to day. I have not done all these things on this checklist and the checklist keeps growing because each week it's a new week. Um, and by kind of giving yourself that grace and being like, okay, I'm a person, like my kids are also people. And by like letting them have those opportunities, you not only create a space that allows for them to excel in the classroom, but you're welcoming Mm -hmm. those problems and you actively will work on them together. There is controversy when it comes to how involved a teacher should be in a student's life. Mm -hmm. I know there is. Um, I'm someone who really needed that involved teacher, but that's something you can also talk about with your students. You can be like, what do you need from me so that you can excel in my classroom? Do you need me to send out that check-in email? Do you need to talk to your mom if something's going on? Do you need me to take a step back and be like, hey, I'm watching you. Let me know if you need anything. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So I think like understanding each student is so important. I'm trailing the question. So I need you to help me reiterate it in my brain just so I can like finish my answer. Yeah. So um, the the way that I was framing the question is the way that you the way that you are growing throughout your your education in social studies, like how did how did those experiences, how did those changes help you into becoming the person you are now and realizing the things that you have realized now and the way that you want to teach your students and the way that you want to present history to them and the way you want them to think about what social studies is yeah of course that was so off topic I'm so no, sorry. no no it wasn't let me tell you why it was off topic because I'm going to explain a little bit about my experience yes. because when we think about education we think about social studies when we think about history when we think about these different topics and these different subjects it's just what's on this paper is just what are you learning what can you tell me that you learn which is important because you want your you want to know that you're teaching your students and you want to know that your students are gaining from you but you're not just who you are in that classroom you're not just who you are right now you're who you are as a collective of who you were Mm -hmm. and so when you think about your own history when you think about the studying of your own self and how that has led to now it most definitely influences the way you're going to teach in your classroom. It's most definitely going to influence the way you taught history because you, you mentioned doing harm to your students and intentionally keeping them safe. A lot of people don't think about their past experiences and then they go into classrooms through Teach for America and through these different weird programs that teach you how to just police kids and not actually actively love them, right? And so they're not thinking about their past experiences and who they were that led them to not teach a certain topic correctly. And let me be more clear. Let me not sugarcoat anything, such as things like racism, yeah. such as things like critical race theory, which is banned in the classroom. I don't know why it don't make sense. But when we're learning about these different things and we're doing unintentional harm to our students, it's because we didn't take time to think about who was I? Mm-hmm. Who would I be in this classroom right now, today? And who would this, who would I, like, who am I as a teacher? 
how am I being affected as a student? Yeah. If if that if that makes sense, what I just said. So I don't think you went too far off track. I think that's very important to talk about. And then, you know, tying it in back to, yeah. you know, your, your social studies experience and things like that, you know. Yeah, no, archaeology of self is what this really makes me think of. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes. And like deep diving into who you are and like what you can do in the classroom. I think when the grand scheme of when it connects to social studies, I think a lot of it just comes to representation. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who just like, I'm going to tie it back to those two schools because those two different schools that I um, grew up attending just really changed how I look, looked at things and how I see myself within the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, I, those two schools, one of them really taught to my, like represented who I was, like, mm-hmm. not every aspect, but a key and like crucial part of who I am right now. Like who my parents are raising me to be in America, like what they want for the future, like the dream that I'm pursuing by actively going to college and living through them. Mm-hmm. So learning about that history, that representation just kind of showed me how much was lacking within the classroom Mm. how much like if I didn't feel seen and like as someone who like looks the way I look you know like yes Mm -hmm. so how do other people feel that don't look like me Mm -hmm. and do they feel unseen as well and also what can I do so that the curriculum is more encompassing of everyone Mm -hmm. and um, I think it comes not only from looking at those big topics the ones that we've mentioned previously but going into the details that are before those topics Mm -hmm. leading up to that I think it's just about expanding upon history and not by only adding another class you can add another class and like AP just has there's an African-American history which like great I'm really excited but it's just like what can we already do to incorporate into regular U.S. history Mm -hmm. so stuff like that is really cool um, because that's like that's the beginning of a bridge same thing with black history month and like women's history month and like Mm -hmm. hispanic um history month that's like the beginning of a stepping stone of things that we can just incorporate into everyday classrooms and that's really exciting i'm so happy that there's like spots where you can specifically talk about that but why do there have to be specific spots put into place Mm -hmm. same thing with like um holidays in America like why do we I know why we talk about Thanksgiving around Thanksgiving obviously Thanksgiving is happening but it's like Christmas we go on a break um in Catholic school it's still called Christmas break um now here it's called like it's the end of the semester um holiday break I'm not sure what it's called in Chicago public schools anymore but everyone kind of calls it Christmas break Mm -hmm. and why do we call it that like do other people Mm -hmm. feel kind of left out when you call it that why do we only celebrate holidays um, mm. that are primarily from a certain religion. Like I know we're Protestant founded. Like I understand that that's the base of our country, yes. but why, why is that still the matter? Why is it that some of my friends who are Jewish on campus have to get a special excuse so they can miss class mm. because, because like they cannot go to class because they're honoring, um, their religion. They're praying They're in a state of worship i'm not the best when it comes to terminology but you know what i i, mm-hmm. I hope you understand yes. what i mean by that they're they're just as important yeah as as what american culture is and they should it is american to, culture yes, exactly oh my god mm-hmm. i was just took the words right yeah. out of my mouth all culture is american culture and i think that's like a very important topic to talk about because a lot of the times i feel like americans get real sensitive when you say that because they're like well american culture and i'm like what is American culture exactly? We don't really have a culture because we're 
curated of so many different cultures and I think when you brought up those those different months I didn't even know women's history month was a thing until high school yeah. and I remember when I found out about it I was in student council and I was like can we do a women's history month town hall I created the whole outline cool. I emailed teachers I, I went around I talked to students I was like can y'all please get some stuff together because why am I just not finding out about this yeah when that is we clearly have a month for a reason and so it's just like and then also to kind of feel like it, we're so isolated is it's just like being on this campus and like oh we have a space for indigenous students we have a space for black students we have a space for lgbtq plus which students. is great and as someone yes. who like identifies um in a certain community like i appreciate having that space mm -hmm. but i think like we have to think of it as like it should just be broad yes it should just be everywhere it like by creating a specific space it's great but by only like you make students also feel like they can only be in that space yes yes exactly yes that <laughs> we are right we are, <laughs> we are right here right now that's that's exactly where I was going with that but we shouldn't have to feel when we're in different communities we shouldn't have to feel isolated we shouldn't have to feel only like we fit in this one particular group in this one particular space because there are so many inter intersectionalities with within people but I think just you know going back to what I was what we were previously talking yeah, about about course. growing into who we are now like I said within Catholic school I, I learned a lot more than my peers in high school so I feel like I had an edge it was an educational edge you know was it but was it education mm, that is what who but was it <laughs> education and so I feel like they they push you ahead like oh you're this really smart black girl because you know all these different things and it's like okay I was fortunate in that way but I was not fortunate in the way that my identity of being a black girl in America was dimmed down mm -hmm. it the tropes the the different history that I learned that wasn't fully explained I learned that when I got to high school each each year of high school I had at least one teacher that was very dedicated to teaching us and I don't want to say in the proper way because is there a proper way of teaching certain it varies certain it things? really does vary mm -hmm. and so I think in particular one of the classes that I'm always thinking of when I'm talking about this topic um it was called like uh history in the lens of the black eye or something along those okay. lines and so not only were we think not only were we talking about black people not only were we talking about slavery we were talking about what happened before that we were talking about the love in the community we were talking about the royalty in the community what we what we cherished in the community mm -hmm. how other communities hispanic community which has so many different people in that community oh, different yeah. religious communities how did they impact us people in this country how did they contribute to our history in this country so instead of it just saying oh black history because it's so much that goes into that it was history it was through the historical lens of the black eye which creates such a more open and such a more diverse um curriculum mm -hmm. for students to think about because it was the first time that we went in depth about the the horridness of what slavery was like went into complete depth like looked at what the boats looked like understood what happened in Africa and yeah. it, it even tied in to my senior year class when I read this book called Homegoing by Yagayasi that talked about the trajectory of 
what happened in Africa, all those different mm -hmm. tribal wars that were going on. How did that contribute to the way that slavery progressed here? And then how does that contribute to me now as a college student, considering who my ancestors were and how that tied into what I think now, because I also used to be shy, not academically, but I used to be socially shy. I never wanted to really talk to people, but I was always raising my hand and I was always asking questions. And I think that with who I am, like then as a student, as a shy kid, mm -hmm. knowing that I'm okay with being that that smart black girl and then going to high school and having these different open experiences that leads me to who I am now, understanding that we need to talk about these histories. We need to make sure that people understand from the beginning, from the, the, the very most beginning that we can go to, to now, so that way they can also understand who was I then who am I now? How does that connect to your teachings? Yeah. How does that connect to this classroom? And how does that connect to me and how I contribute to history? 100%. And I want to stop when you think like, like the the smart, like black student within the class, like, why is it just, just not smart student? Yes. Like mm -hmm. smart student, like I had an accent, like smart student with accent, you know, mm -hmm. just, mm -hmm. just smart student, just someone who does well in school, just like the top, like if you're in the top percent, you're just in the top percent, you know? And you shouldn't, you shouldn't be only, I think, I think something that we do a lot is we identify students only by their identities. Mm. We don't stop to think like everyone has a chance to be smart. Everyone has a chance to do X, Y, Z. And there's other factors, of course, but mm -hmm. in that classroom, you were smart because you were there. You mm. weren't smart and you weren't an exception. You're not an exception to a rule. You're just a part of everyday life. And yes. that's super powerful. And I mean, that kind of, in a way, it's almost diminishing, which like that just makes me really upset because no one should feel that way within the classroom. No yes. one should feel that way. And I want to turn back to what you said about America being made up of so many, so many different cultures. Like mm -hmm. we have like, we're both from Chicago. So yes. um, big ethnic ties in that, that city. There's little Ukraine, little mm -hmm. Italy, mm -hmm. Chinatown, um, Copernicus with the Polish people, obviously um, say hi, but, um, <laughs> but there's all those different communities and it's really cool because you don't have that anywhere else in the world mm -hmm. you don't have that anywhere else and you and like for me for example as a history teacher like I can take my kids to places if I want them to learn about something mm -hmm. you know like I can be like hey we're, we're learning world studies like we're focusing on xyz from from this point of view I don't know it off the top of my head so I won't say let's go here because there's a museum that might be able to help us mm -hmm. more about it mm -hmm. like that's so cool and like you can do that because you have those different communities coming together and showing their um pride for their culture their customs um their beliefs you know and I think that's really cool and I think that as as Americans we have this opportunity to take advantage of those differences and help not only our children grow mm -hmm. but um feel smarter not in the sense of like only academically but smarter socially because they understand they know how to interact with people um they're not scared of interacting with people different from them yes and they are excited to interact with people that are different from them I think often like when you don't look like someone else or like if you don't for example like feel into in a community, you're mm -hmm. automatically going to isolate yourself Yes, and you're going to feel alone. But I think when you already ingrained in students that differences are what make people special and you are special because of X, Y, Z, classmate X here is special because of this stuff. Like yes. Y is special because of this other stuff. And Z also has one thing of X and everything else that's different. Yes. You know, and I just want to connect this to what you just said now to when you were talking earlier about just reading the textbook and talking about why should it be identity first when we're talking about things and I think you know in the context of 
making people comfortable with other cultures, creating comfortability within their own culture, I think is because we don't teach that. Mm -hmm. We don't teach all cultures. We don't teach the importance of all cultures. When we do teach them, they're in harmful ways. They are in, they're just in detrimental ways because we don't go on, we don't do our own proper research that we expect our students to do. And I think that that's important what you brought up is going to these different places because a lot of the times, what about the students who can't go out the country? Yeah. We don't need to go out the country. Yeah. We're to Italy. Yeah. We got a Chinatown. Yeah. Let's go speak to the people there because even sometimes the way that, the way that we Americanize things, we can Americanize them in a way that we don't even go to the proper places within those 100%, places. 100%. Yeah. And I think like to a certain extent, like we should be happy we're here. Like it's a great place to live. Like I'm excited. I'm mm-hmm. I'm very glad my parents talk enough about their stuff, but there's also like, like it's more than that. It's more than, than just the 4th of July. It's understanding what these different groups, yes. how these different groups impacted American history and why we're able to have what we have today, why we're able to be the society. We're and that's studying the past. Mm-hmm. It's looking at the past and being like, hey, like meatpacking industry in Chicago, like I know what my culture mm-hmm. did. What did other cultures do? What did mm-hmm. other ethnic groups do there that also contributed to why Chicago became this really like this huge urban city and why it was able to be so successful and why it became the biggest, like the third biggest city in America. So there's those little things that we can learn. Mm -hmm. So that like makes me really excited. Like that kind of stuff. Just, I just, I just get really pumped about that because I'm, because you're just able to learn. And I mean, I keep saying learn over and over again. I'm blanking a little bit to be quite honest with you, but I just, we just have this opportunity. I think like as social studies people, we just have um, this ability to leave an impact on students. And I think that um, we're the people like that are more, are more, most clearly able to connect the students with real life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're the subject that's most able to connect mm-hmm. students. Yes. So I think that how we do it is very important. And I think on that note, we can go into this new segment that we will now be presenting in the next episodes of let's drop some knowledge what is something that you took from this episode from what you said from what i said whatever that you want the audience to be able to take away from what we talked about we talked about a lot oh my gosh all the things I, well, I'm going to first start with saying like, I'm so excited for this podcast to launch. I'm super pumped to see where it heads. Um, I listened to the first episode, absolutely loved it. Uh, Second, I really liked hearing about your experiences. Mm -hmm. And I also liked hearing about how similar we were. Yes. Because it's really nice to hear people's own experiences and be like, oh my gosh, I can relate certain things Mm -hmm. to that. And I think that just connects to who we are as humans. And I think humanization is really important. Yes. So we talked about all these things. Um, I feel like I understand you a little bit more. I feel like you probably know a little bit too much about me, as (laughs) does the rest of the audience. But I think those little itty bitty parts are what makes us really capable and ready to be teachers. I am not saying it's going to be easy. I don't think um, that this job should be taken lightly, Mm -hmm. but I'm saying that by taking a moment to kind of reflect on who we are, we're better able to understand ourselves, Mm -hmm. understand the positions that the students have in in the classroom and work on creating a comprehensive history that sets to acknowledge everything. Yes, I think for what I'm gonna drop some knowledge on, that you spoke a lot about is openness and inclusivity is very important to the ways that teachers can support their students within and outside of the classroom. Because a lot of the times 
when when teachers have their degrees, when they went through their education, they're so closed. They're I'm I'm in this space. I'm teaching the way that I want to teach, and no one can tell me. Mm-hmm. And my students are just gonna follow what I'm gonna do because sometimes we don't even think about talking about the intentions of teachers, especially now. Like the education system needs some help. They're really there's a big for shortage, people. big shortage. Yes, and so I just think that that openness of yourself to open your heart open your mind open your spirit to your students so they can put that in you you know what you put into them and and create that inclusivity even in spaces that aren't inclusive you can still create that that is important to the growth to the love to the mindset of what our students our kids are going to take outside of the classroom and I thought that that was very important and that's something that I'm always going to be thinking of because sometimes we think that we're being open and we're not and just drop some more knowledge that you said. We need to figure out what our kids need. Yeah. Because a lot of time we'll be looking at our kids. We're like, I know what you need. And we don't know what they need. No. And so the ways that we think that we're being open and inclusive, we're not. And so I think that, yes, being open, being inclusive, and asking what the kids need instead of telling them what they need creates a successful classroom, creates a successful teacher, creates a successful teacher-student bond in the ways that they're just people. Did you have anything else that you want to say? No, no, I was just going to say that this is it, you know, don't judge a book by its cover and get excited for more, you know. And I think with that, (laughs) we can end episode two of the Social Studies Network, What's Going On podcast or What's Going On, a Social Studies Network podcast. I'm going to get that right next episode. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in and I cannot wait for y'all to join us next episode. Peace, y'all. Thank you.